Hello, and welcome to another edition of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower with Prof. Julie Mack. My name is Dana Cornwall, and I'm the project manager at the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's the season finale, and I'm a little excited. And I'm Julie McFarlane, the director of the National Self-Represented Litigants Project. And this is our season finale. Our season finale for season four, which is kind of incredible. And I was looking the other day, Julie, and as it turns out, this is our, I believe, 49th episode. Wow. I know. I can't believe we've done that many. Which means that season five, episode one, will be our 50th episode. So we'll have to do something really spectacular. If we can outdo today, because today is pretty special. Today is really, really cool. What you're going to hear in a few minutes is a real departure for us. We're not doing an interview. You're going to hear uh, a play, an audio drama, and I will leave Julie to tell you the origins of this. This play that you're going to hear is an original uh, script that was written by Micah Perk O'Connell. He was a student in my class, Clients, last year, which was a class I developed and ran for the first time last year to really focus students on how to communicate effectively with their clients, how to work with them collaboratively, and how to think about their needs and interests as human beings, as well as people with legal problems. I told the class that they could do pretty much anything they liked for their final assignment. <laughs> could be dangerous. I know, I know. Well, I usually say, you know, when I make this offer to students, which I have done many times in the past, that I will accept anything short of a macrame basket or an interpretive dance, but I could be persuaded to accept those as well if they can show me that they're relevant to the subject matter of the class. (laughs) Now, in this case, what Micah did was to write a play. Uh, which is uh, something that I've had students do in the past. This is an outstanding play, and it is very much about the topics that we talked about, how to be an effective lawyer, how to be an effective collaborator and communicator. And it's also very funny. So we decided, and obviously we wrote Micah in on this, Mm -hmm. that we would produce this for the podcast. It has been a lot of fun to produce this. Uh, A lot of work, but a lot of fun work. You will hear um, several familiar voices, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's all I'll say at the moment. Don't want to give too much away here. No, we don't. We don't want to give anything away. It's a really great little comedy drama, and I think you're all going to really enjoy it. So without further ado, NSRLP presents Whacked, a legal farce in one act. We open on the law offices of William Haynes, a once passionate attorney with a general practice in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The room is small and austere. The walls are adorned with university degrees and expensive-looking abstract paintings. Legal books line the walls. The air is thick, and the lights are dim. This morning, William sits at his enormous desk, head tilted toward the ceiling, his fingers gently massaging his temples. Hello, uh, yes, um, yes, send her in. As William begins to make small notes on a legal pad, a young woman enters. 
She is clearly in the late stages of a pregnancy and wears a long-sleeved turtleneck sweater and large sunglasses, which she does not remove. Without looking up from his scribbling, William gestures to the lone chair in front of his desk. Good morning, Miss Pearson. I understand you've uh, come to see me regarding your divorce proceedings. Yes, I... I, 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 Have you brought the retainer check that was discussed on the phone with my secretary? Of course. Uh, may May I have it, please? She fetches an envelope from her purse and hands it to William. He picks up an ornate letter opener, slices open the envelope with ferocity, and inspects the contents. All right, Miss Pierce. Uh, let me explain to you how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I would like you to answer them with a yes or no, as few words as possible. I do this so as not to waste our time and uh, your money, huh? Okay, I, um... Do you have any children, apart from the one you're carrying? Yes, a boy and a girl. Michael, who's five, and Jennifer, she's three. Uh, do you have a copy of your marriage certificate? Yes, here. So, how long have you been married? Two years this spring. Uh, when in the spring? April 18th. Are you employed? Yes. Where? I work at the diner over on 5th and Harbor, Terry's. Are you still working there now? Yes. Uh, what's your husband's name? Tom. You've taken his name? Your husband's last name. Is it Pierce? Yes. All right. Later... William sits alone in his office, drops an effervescent into a glass of water, and watches it fizz. Hello, uh, yes, yes, uh, set him in. A sunken man in a cheap suit shuffles into the office. He sports a five o'clock shadow, and his tie is partly undone. He sits without being invited, and stares out the window. What is it, Marv? Oh, you know, the usual. Picked up two this morning. I'll plead him and bleed him. Should be good for a couple thou. <laughs> you must be proud. Bite me. How about you? Oh, some waitress splitting up with her guy. Seems simple enough. Uh, I told her not to leave the house. Uh, appearances and all that. The knocked-up gal I just saw on her way out? Yeah. Pal, she, she had a shiner the size of Gibraltar hiding under those Jackie O shades. You told her to go back to that house? What? Jesus, Bill, she was wearing a turtleneck up to her ears. She looked like she's been through it. And not the first time, I'd guess. You shouldn't have sent her back. William simply stares at him. What? Look, it's not my neck, but you should be more careful. She could get hurt. Now, where are we going to lunch? Somewhere dark, Dershowitz. You look like shit. As Marvin throws up his hands and walks out, William stands, grabs his coat, and follows. We join William back at his desk after lunch. Hello, I yes, uh, send him in. A young man shuffles in, perhaps 16 years old. His head bowed and meek, he stands by the door with one hand in his pocket. Come in, sit down. The young man sits and begins to fidget with his hands. Christopher, right? Yes, sir. I asked your mother to send you in. Is she waiting outside? Yes, sir. All right. Can you tell me about uh, last weekend? I didn't do it. I don't care what they said. I wasn't there. I Hold on, hold on. Not another word. 
I understand from speaking to your mother that you are taking responsibility for what happened. She doesn't believe me. I didn't do anything. Look, look. I don't need some punk kid coming in here and stringing me up with a pack of lies. Your mother told me what happened and that you'd come to me so I can handle your guilty plea. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go outside and talk to your mother and tell her what you just told me. And when she's done yelling at you, tell her you can come back tomorrow and we can pick up where we left off. And you're getting charged for today. But I'm a very busy man. I trust you know your way out. And don't slam the... Door. <sighs> Hello, uh, yes, yes, send her in. A frazzled looking woman walks in clutching a styrofoam coffee cup in one hand and an overstuffed purse in the other. Uh, come in, uh, miss. Just Kate, sir. Kate is fine. Uh, come in, Kate, and grab a seat. Thank you. Uh, sorry I'm a few minutes late. Bad traffic. What can I do for you today? Didn't they tell you? I told them on the phone. I got the information, uh, if you gave my receptionist, but I'd like to hear the story from you. Well, it's like I told your lady there. It's my mom, yeah? She hasn't been doing so well lately, so I put her up. Mind if I smoke? Mm, by all means. Thank you. So, anyways, she's not doing so hot these days, so I decide I'm going to put her up in this new spot they open out of town. Supposed to be nice, yeah? Well, I get her there, and the second week, doesn't she take a big spill down the stairs? Messed up her hip and broke her ribs. Did I mention she's in her 80s? So I figured, what the hell? We're paying all this money and nobody's there watching her? I find out later the elevator was out of order. Can you believe that? An old folks home and the elevator is out of order. May as well have stayed in her nasty old apartment. The elevator's always working there. She's back in the home now? No, no, she's staying with me. I figured it's safer to have someone around. God knows what they do to her next. All right, well, it sounds like there could be something here. Let's start a retainer and see where we, we get with the home. I'll call and get someone to confirm the elevators were out that day, and we'll go from there. Well, uh, how much do we need for a retainer? I was hoping you might just look over this letter I drafted to them. I, I don't think I can f afford a big deposit, especially after the money I paid out to get my mom out there in the, to begin with. Well, I can look at your letter once we make arrangements for our retainer. That's the way I do business. If I only use up some of the retainer, well, you'll get the rest back. That's how it works. Well... I'm not sure I can do that right now. Well, how much are we talking about? $2,500. i am really not sure if I can do that. I... Now look, look, don't waste my time. Come back if you decide you're ready to cough it up. I... Yeah, okay, let me think about it. All right, then. A young man rolls confidently into the room in a wheelchair. His left leg is in a cast. Mr. Ferris, please come in. Thanks. Right, so I was walking home last night, and I was crossing the road, and this asshole, not even looking, turns left right in front of me. Okay, wait. What time was this? I don't know. Last night, after dinner. After eight. Look, I have all of his information right here. We need to sue this guy. Okay, so... 
let me just make sure I understand. You were crossing, and he turns left across the whole intersection and doesn't see you. Yeah, man, that's right. Just boom, came squealing through. And you went to the hospital for that leg? Uh, yeah. Now, you called over from Mr. Gross's office, is that right? Yeah. He wasn't interested in taking you on? Full caseload, he said. All right, Mr. Ferris. Here's what I'm going to do. You leave me with the paperwork you have, the insurance information, and the hospital discharge papers. I don't have any hospital papers. I see. Well, I'll take everything you have, and I'll see you first thing tomorrow for a follow-up. You can speak to my secretary on the way out. All right. As Ferris wheels himself out of the room, William closes the door behind him, then settles back behind his desk and falls into a snooze. As William falls more deeply asleep, his desk chair rolls back, hitting the bookshelf behind him, where a copy of Julie McFarlane's The New Lawyer sits precariously on the top shelf. The force of the chair causes the book to fall, and it strikes William hard on the top of his head, knocking him unconscious. The following morning... William wakes with a start, surprised to find the new lawyer in his lap. What? As William gazes in confusion at the book, he suddenly hears a voice from the other side of his office door. He puts down the new lawyer and looks expectantly, if groggily, toward the door. I wonder if I should go and check on him. Oh God, I bet he's drunk the bar dry again. Uh, Jenny? Oh God, he's up. Jenny? Uh, yes, Mr. Haynes, I'm here. Jenny, uh, what time is it? Too early for this shit, if you ask me. It's 8 a.m., sir. Sorry, uh, what did you just say? I said it's 8 a.m., sir. I, uh, all right. Your 815 is here, the young man in the wheelchair. All right, uh, give me five minutes. And Jenny? Yes? Coffee. Yes, sir. Miserable prick. What did you just say? Yes, sir? No, 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 uh, after that. Nothing, Mr. Haynes. I, uh... William's suit is miserable, his hair stuck up. He slaps his face a few times and blinks his eyes, <sighs> confused and disoriented. What the hell's going on with me? Uh, Jenny, uh, can you bring me that coffee, please? Yes, sir. Here you are. Thank you. Would it kill him to ask me how I'm doing? Uh, how are you doing, Jenny? Uh, I'm fine. Um, a little tired. I've been up late the last few nights with Spencer. He has a cold. I wish I could be home with him. Well, if you need the day, Jenny, I I suppose you can take it. Uh, uh... Well, don't you want to be home with him? Well, yes, sir actually. Well, well, go home. Go, go. I'll deal with the clients. Just set the buzzer to ring uh, on my office line. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Send in Mr. Ferris on your way out, please. Yes, sir. Good morning, Mr. Ferris. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look through your paperwork, but based on our conversation yesterday, I do think you have a good case here. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Ka-ching! Sorry? 
I said, glad to hear it. Yes. Uh, so you said the car had turned left, is that correct? Turned left and didn't even see me coming, stupid tourist. Yeah, turned left across the intersection. Right. Left, dumbass. Excuse me? What? Anyways, so he turned left in front of me. Last time I got three grand. I wonder how good this guy is. How much do you think we can get? I, uh, well, uh, a case like this, it's, uh, uh, difficult to say. We, uh, uh, we need, a. Uh, excuse me. This guy is crazy. I should have gone to that other dude, the one with the bus ads and the big hair. You know what? I think I might come back another time. Yes, uh, yeah. I think that would be best. See ya, weirdo. What the hell is happening to me? William sits staring into space for a moment, until the phone interrupts his reverie. He starts and reaches for it, fumbling with it for a second before getting it to his ear. Uh, uh, Hello. Yes, uh, I'll buzz you in. Uh, Just come right up. My secretary is off today. Christopher, the young man from yesterday, shuffles in, sinking into the chair dejectedly. I talked to my mom like you said. I've come back and... I'm ready to do what you want, even though it wasn't me. You are... uh, That's... uh, Sorry? Why don't they believe me? Uh, Listen, Chris, why don't you tell me what happened? What really happened? Well, I was at this party, right? And I was with my friends. We wanted to go out to this spot, but we had never been there before. We heard at school it was happening and just decided to go. And then Benny had to go and run his mouth off. All right, so uh, who in all went with you? Well, it was me, this dude, Raj, my girlfriend, Tina, and another guy, Ben. Okay, so what happened when you got there? Well, it was a big party. There were a lot of people there we didn't know. We were hanging out and having a couple of drinks, you know. And then some people started up. Then this guy came out of nowhere and just punched the dude. He wasn't even looking. We ran, and when we got outside, there were a bunch of cops everywhere. I ran out first, so when they saw me, they just grabbed me, and everyone else got away. Did you see who hit the victim? Benny. No. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Sure it was Benny. Well, Chris, I can try my best to get you out of this. But if you did see something, and you know what happened, it would really help me. I'm going to ask around and try to see if I can find out who else was at the party and who might have seen something. Is that okay with you? Well, yeah, sure. All right, Chris. I'll talk to you soon, then. Okay. After Christopher leaves, William stares in disbelief at the door. He picks up the new lawyer from his desk, opens it, and thumbs to the back, looking for the author information page. McFarlane. Dr. McFarlane. William finds what he's seeking and dials a number, putting the phone on speaker. Hello? Hello, is this Dr. McFarlane? Uh, Dr. Julie McFarlane? Uh, yes. Who's this? My name is William Haynes. I'm an attorney from Toronto. I, um, 
Well, um, your book... My book, yeah. Well, uh, it hit me. Uh, it hit me really hard. Well, I'm glad that it's made an impression on you. No, uh, it fell off my shelf and it hit me in the head. Oh, gosh, well, I'm sorry about that. You know, it is available in paperback. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's not your fault. It's just, this is going to sound crazy. But after it hit me, I, I think, I think I can hear my client's thoughts. Also, my secretaries. Please don't hang up. Are you all right? Maybe, maybe you should call a doctor. No, uh, look, I know how it sounds, but, I, but I'm serious. Your book hit me, and now I think I can hear what my clients are thinking. It's freaking me out. Uh, look, Mr. Uh... Haynes. Mr. Haynes, I'm not entirely certain what you're talking about. But if you could hear your clients' thoughts, I would think that might not be such a terrible thing. What? Well, maybe it could help you to get to the truth. I can think of a few attorneys who wouldn't mind being able to read their clients' minds. It might make you a better lawyer. I, I can't practice like this. Do you? Listen to your clients. What do you mean? I mean, really listen. Do you listen to their problems, or do you just look for the legal issues and shuffle them on out the door? Well, I, I'm a lawyer. I, I'm not here to be their friend. Uh, they're paying me to do a job, and I, I do it. Hmm. Did it ever occur to you, Mr. Haynes, that people may come to you so troubled that they may not know what they want, or... What they say they want and what they really need are two different things. I'm not sure I follow. Mr. Haynes, we spend day in and day out dealing with clients. We talk to them on the phone. We answer their emails. We hear about the worst days of their lives and we counsel them. Sometimes I feel like we're more like therapists than lawyers. And do you know what happens when we do that for too long, day in and day out? without really thinking about it. What happens? We get complacent. We forget how to empathize. We think only about the bottom line, and we stop asking the important questions. If I could hear my client's thoughts, I might like to turn it off now and again, but I would use it. I would use it to make their lives better and to improve my practice. Clients are people, Mr. Haynes. Maybe you need to be reminded of that. I'm not sure what you're saying makes sense, but if it is true, then you have been given a great gift. And you're welcome. Bye-bye. Oh, oh God. For a moment, William sits, lost in thought. Hello. Yes, hello, Kate. Uh, please come in. Uh, hello, Mr. Haynes. I, I thought about what you said yesterday, and, well, I brought you a check for the retainer. I'm not sure if I'll have enough money for gas for a while, but I was thinking of selling the car anyway. Yeah, yes, uh, I mean, no. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Kate, I thought about what you said yesterday. Oh, no, he needs more money? No, 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 no. no. Sorry? What? No, no, sorry, sorry. I, I think I can start by just taking a look at the letter you wrote. 
Really? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, I forget myself sometimes. Not everyone needs the full service package. Oh, thank God, thank you, thank you. You're well... (laughs) You're welcome to take a seat for a moment while I read it over. Uh, Can I get you a coffee or, or a water? No, no, thank you so much. Wow, that's very sweet. I, um, just give me a moment. William reads through Kate's letter, making a few notes as he goes. Is it okay? I hope he doesn't think I'm stupid. This is fabulous. You've done a great job here. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yes, very good. I think maybe we can make a few changes, and if it's all right with you, we can send it over on my letterhead. That might make them think twice. Yes! All right, yeah, that would be great. Let's call this an hour, and we'll do it at my reduced rate. Let's say $100. I would like you to call me when you get a response and keep me posted. I won't charge you for that. If you aren't happy with their response, well, we can figure out where best to go from there. Oh, thank God. I just want my mom to be happy and safe. We're going to make sure your mom is happy and safe. Huh? Kate looks at him blankly for a moment, then rises from her chair, walks around William's desk, and gives him a hug. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's, a, it's my pleasure. Uh, don't forget to call me when you get that response. Oh, I won't. Thank you again. William sits, lost in thought. After a moment, he goes to fix himself a drink then thinks better of it, and pours a glass of water instead. Hello? Uh, Yes, hello, Mrs. Pierce. Please let yourself in. As Mrs. Pierce enters the office, it's evident that she's upset and shaken. She still wears her large sunglasses. Hello, Mr. Haynes? Oh, God, I hope he doesn't hurt her. A very large man appears in the doorway behind Mrs. Pierce. He roughly pushes her further into the office. Is this the guy? Oh, God, please, I don't want him to hurt anyone else. Her husband grabs her by the arm and jerks her around to face him. I said, is this the guy? Yes. And now hold on a minute. No, you hold on. This bitch comes home last night and tells me she's been to see some lawyer. She wants a divorce. Well, over my dead body, you scumbag. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Mrs. Pierce, you need me to call the police. Oh, please, no. That will just make things worse. The police? I ought to call the police on you, you cheap suit. Who the hell do you think you are? I should have just left last night. Why did I go back? I think you should take your hands off her. What did you just say to me? I said, take your hands off her, pal. This is my office, and you don't come in here like this. Take your hands off her and get out. Mrs. Pierce, why don't you take a walk downstairs and grab yourself a cab? Get yourself to a relative somewhere safe. Give me a call tomorrow. We'll get this settled properly and make sure you're safe. I promise. Thank you. She's not going anywhere. Please, Tom, just go. At her words, Mr. Pierce turns to face his wife, furious, and raises his hand to hit her. As he does so, William scrambles across his desk toward them. I said take your hands off her. William grabs Mr. Pierce, and they struggle, as Mrs. Pierce, looking horrified, runs out the door. 
Suddenly, Mr. Pierce pulls back and punches William soundly on the jaw, knocking him out. For a moment, Mr. Pierce stares at William, crumpled on the floor, before turning on his heel and striding out of the office. The next morning finds William still unconscious on the floor, snoring quietly. After a moment, Marvin walks into the office and looks down at William. Jeez, another rough night, huh? Huh? What? Come on, big fella. Jesus, what the hell happened to you? It looks like you've been hit by a truck. As Marvin helps him up, William smiles ruefully and rubs his sore jaw. I, uh, ow. Oh, yeah, you should have seen the other guy. <laughs> what, smiling? What the hell happened? Oh, that client from yesterday. Who, Jackie O? Yeah, she she came by with the husband. Nickname is probably Moose. The guy was a skyscraper. <laughs> and what did you do to stir his pot? Well, he was about to start beating on her, so I, I showed him the door. Yeah, that's some real nice hands-on lawyering there, Bill. Very nice. I didn't know you were a pugilist. <laughs> I could have been a contender. Sure. Just then... Mrs. Pierce appears in the office doorway, looking hesitant. Um, Mrs. Pierce? Ah, please come in. This is my colleague, Marvin. Uh, Marv, uh, will you give us a minute? Yeah, sure, no problem. As Marvin leaves, William stares at Mrs. Pierce, suddenly noticing the quiet in the room. He walks up and studies her face closely. Mrs. Pierce is clearly a little taken aback by this behavior. I... I wanted to thank you for what you did yesterday. I... I'm really sorry if he hurt you. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. It's, it's not a problem. I should never have sent you back there. I don't know what I was thinking. It's okay. I think it's going to be okay. As she looks off into space for a moment, William again looks intently at her face. Were you just thinking something? I'm sorry? Uh, were you just thinking something right then? Well, yes, I, I was thinking it's such a nice day outside, and that I feel a lot better today than I did yesterday. And, and you thought that just now? Yes. Uh, looking out that window? Well, yes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> it is? Well... Well, sure it is. Uh, Mrs. Pierce, thank you. Uh, thank you for everything. Uh, I'm going to work on your paperwork today, and we're going to get it filed straight away. Thank you, Mr. Haynes. Mrs. Pierce smiles at him for the first time, and they stand for a second, sharing a moment of peace, before she turns to leave, passing Marvin on her way out the door. So are we doing lunch? I don't think so, Marv. I've got a lot of work to do. Marvin grins at him and leaves the office. Left alone, William stands in front of his desk for a moment, then walks to his chair, sits down, and gets to work. Legal Farce in One Act was written by Micah Perk O'Connell. The part of William Haynes was played by Peter Horastovic. The part of Mrs. Pierce was played by Moya McAllister. 
The part of Marvin was played by Micah Perk O'Connell. The part of Christopher was played by Jaden Lacourcière. The part of Kate was played by Leslie McCurdy. The parts of Ferris and Mr. Pierce were played by Aaron Bergeron. The part of Jenny was played by Dana Cornwall. The part of Dr. McFarlane was played by Julie McFarlane. Narration was provided by Ali Tajani. The Wacked script was adapted for audio by Dana Cornwall. Production and editing by Jason Cornwall, with additional production help from Micah Perk O'Connell and Bronte Petrick. The song featured in this episode is Big Mouth and the Old Oak by Micah Perk O'Connell. Special thanks to Peter Harastovic and Shibley Wrighton LLP for the generous donation of their conference room for recording purposes, and to Windsor Law for their ongoing support. Thanks to Jolie Inthavong and Brent Onischuk for their support. Thanks to all our gifted actors and crew members for donating their valuable time and energy to this project. Very special thanks to Jason Cornwall for all of his time, equipment, and expert production. And another very special thanks to our gifted author, musician, producer, and actor, Micah Perk O'Connell, who has just graduated from Windsor Law and is off to complete his articling in Toronto. Congratulations and good luck, Micah. Whacked, a legal farce in one act, has been a production of NSRLP at Windsor Law. And that's it for season four of Jumping Off the Ivory Tower. We're particularly proud of this season, and we encourage everyone to go back and listen to any episodes you might have missed, re-listen to your favorites, and please share widely. Remember, Ivory Tower makes for excellent summer listening. We'll be back in the fall with season five, but in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Off Ivory and on Facebook at facebook.com slash jumping off the ivory tower. Listen, rate, and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes, where your ratings and reviews would help us immensely. Thanks to all our loyal listeners for a wonderful season. Have a fantastic summer.
like an old oak Waiting for my time to grow Got sold out on a boat by the sea Waiting for the train man to stoke up a fire Hoping that the next log won't be me